Hello, my name is Jason Reichel, and you're listening to Risk Management Brick by Brick. I'm fascinated with people who are helping build and maintain the physical world around us. On each episode of this podcast, we'll dive in with a risk manager, speak to them about how technology plays a role in this process. Today on Brick by Brick, I'm joined by Catherine Manami, the Vice President of Operations at NFP. Catherine is a highly regarded speaker with an expertise in the insurance industry. She knows all things innovation, operations, and insurance. She's passionate about process-driven solutions, operational efficiency, and communication effectiveness, and experimentation, as you'll learn through this episode. So let's jump right in. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for joining me. First question that I like to get to is not everyone starts off and says one day I'll be an innovation at a large insurance company, a brokerage, or any kind of thing to do with what we're doing here, right? So tell me your story. How did you end up where you're at? And how do other people follow suit? Actually, it goes really well with the title of the podcast, Brick by Brick. I like to see how things are built. And so by seeing how things are built, you end up breaking a few things. So with innovation, I joined this crew where I get, I'm allowed to break things and dissect it and review it and put it back together. And that's where my operations role comes in is understanding, okay, so I broke this and now how can I put it back together with sales, with marketing, with my teammates, colleagues, people that have never looked at something. I get to chat with everybody. Yeah. When you talk about how to dissect, because I think that's an interesting thing. Risk managers do that. People in operations do that. Even if you're in sales and marketing and customer success, when you're operating something, you have to really be able to examine its parts. What, from your experience, it allows someone to be good at dissecting problems or looking at the different components? What traits does someone have to have? Or what skills would you recommend for someone in an innovation role, in an operations role, working in your environment? Uh, patience first <laughs> with yourself and with others. And then the love for patterns. Do we see a pattern it, between first stage or second stage or in one camp or in another camp? I think those two together work well. It's just like first time you try a Rubik's Cube and try to solve it, you f- end up figuring out the patterns. Yeah. I like that. Pattern recognition is a really important part of understanding the machine or system behind things. It's something that I always think about. One thing that we were talking about before we were on the air was around the technology, right? And the patterns of technology in the insurance industry. So coming into the insurance industry and talking to brokers and insurance carriers, very clear that a lot of organizations have come in and tried to bring technology to these organizations and they have failed. They haven't really taken the time to dissect how these industries work properly and then overlay technology on those or or actually adapt technology to the existing workflows. What has been the biggest change in the industry since you've been in that you think is a positive trend? And what's maybe something that you would like to see changed in the industry? Open-mindedness. I think that everyone now recognizes the old, uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it sort of thing is not working anymore. And just overall, our daily lives, we live in technology. I order groceries and toilet paper on my phone every day. Every day? That's a lot. (laughs) I've got a messy household. (laughs) 
And I think just society is pushing and bringing my colleagues in insurance, this understanding that that old adage, that has to go out, flush it down the toilet (laughs) and look at what else we can do to make our lives easier, make our clients' lives easier, listen to them and little by little engage and innovate new ways of doing things. The old way doesn't work anymore. So let's figure out a new way. Yeah. Even in the idea that like in insurance and B2C, it's moved a little quicker on technology because the consumers are demanding it. But my hypothesis is that the consumers are also the business people too. And they're expecting those interactions to be fluid and work well, even in a B2B environment, even in a commercial insurance environment. Yeah. Yeah. Also, we have some new entrants in that were are not from the old school of insurance. We have tech guys with machine learning, blockchain expertise that are definitely entering this industry. So it's really creating this wave that hasn't crested yet, but it's happening right now. And it's a pretty exciting time to be part of the industry. When you think about innovation at NFP, how much of that is technology focused? Is innovation everything from technology to actually like processes that you guys have used for years? Like what does innovation cover at NFP? Innovation starts with like ideas. So there's a problem we want to pitch to someone and you come up, it's a mixture of the way you do something, whether it's sending an email, but we're innovating it in a different way of like, I want to send something every day. Oh, and by the way, we have technology. Let's leverage that. It's just meshing two things together. And then once you test it becomes a POC, a proof of concept. It worked there. Let's look at our other teams and leverage that solution and apply it to others. It's very organic the way these things are. And, and with innovation, that I think that's natural for it to apply the word innovation to such organic way of growing and changing the old way into a new way of doing something. When you're experimenting in that way, because it sounds like you're taking a hypothesis and testing different tactics against that, Do you start with baseline KPIs that you're expecting to change? Or do you make the change, examine the change, and then see if you scale that up? Is there a correlation between those? Like, how do you... Like a science project. Yeah. (laughs) How do you manage that? And how critical is that in order to understand when you should scale up or move ideas across them? Because we do get a lot of people, even in like risk managers who have different programs, contractual risk transfer as an example, and they have a way of doing something that is not created audits or not created lawsuits. And they're trying to innovate in small ways to improve their overall programs or their relationships with the subcontractors. So I think for the audience, it might be interesting to go, how do you know when something's working? And how do you know when to double down on something? How does that work? Do you start with the hypothesis? Do you examine it and watch it over a period of time? What are some of your recommendations? This is where I bring my scalpel in and <laughs> dissect. So like, let's define working. What do you mean working? Like, is it working in terms of, it probably gets the job done, but like you want to innovate less time, more money, less hands involved, less eyeballs involved. Do you want to get it? Right. So I think if we're talking about contractual risk transfer, as an example, let's give a definition of working. I am eventually getting people's COIs in before I pay them but not all of the time before they start the work on their job, as an example. Mm -hmm. I think that would be a common use case where someone might be like, how do I dissect that? Like, how do I improve that subcontractor management piece or contractor management piece into my process? Because I feel like a lot of people have a hard time 
innovating within process, right? One of the hard things about operating anything is it still has to be going down the road at the same time as you're taking apart the tires, as an example. So how do you do that without risking, risking too much actually happening? And it sounds like one of your methods is to like go to a small business unit and test sort of isolated away from the larger rollouts, as an example. Yeah, you have to create a lab. Like let the day-to-day continue. You can't stop the flow. Business has to continue running, but create a lab. And then part of that lab is identifying, okay, who are the stakeholders? Who are the participants? And express very explicitly the role of what the participation will be like. What are we trying to dissect? What are we trying to break? And then put it back together again. And when you put it back together again, then there are aha moments. Again, organically, it just happens. People realize oh, I have this other feature. I have this other thing that we can cut time or we can get to the end goal a little bit faster. Bring that out into the front stage and get involved, get the like a larger unit involved. One of the things that a lot of people in the industry are, that come on the show are worried about is shortage in talent, shortage attracting people to come into organizations, into all the roles that touch insurance. Have you seen like a way to engage with, say, people in college that are coming in or people from other industries coming into that? Have you seen the same problem? And are you guys doing anything to try to use technology in an interesting way or build processes around individuals and how you actually bring people onto the team? The process is actually tells a really good story or the operations, which is for out of college, new kids to bring in talent, to bring in those fresh minds is telling them how insurance actually is the keys to understanding what makes a company tick, like a corporation. Through insurance, you'll get to see the many business lines, the negative and the positive. You're mitigating risk, but you're mitigating risk in order to continue to help grow revenue. It's a great opportunity for any young professional to understand how a business can grow from the inside and then create new ideas of how to change something from old to new. Yeah. I think selling that is really important because I have found that the most common quality from all the people that I talk to in the insurance realm and why I've been attracted to it is the curiosity for how things work. And it's like insurance is a true sort of ground bed for how businesses think. What is the risk appetite? What things are they going to go after versus what things are they going to transfer to another organization? And how do all those business units actually work to come together? And it's a very interesting place to learn how the sausage is made, right? It's like going into a trip into a factory, I think, sometimes. And you're immediately exposed to various minds the way many people will function. You have to speak to HR. You have to talk to the legal department. You have to engage marketing. You have to engage the financial department as well. I mean, you immediately get exposed to a lot of different minds, professional camps there. And then from that, you can grow. I mean, actuaries that there's a lot of exposure in a single seat that you can get, and which I find fascinating. <laughs> Definitely. One question that I have and that some people when I'm, I'm I'm talking about this stuff a lot about the need to innovate, the need to change, the need to experiment and how do you bring like a design mindset or growth mindset into these roles? I have gotten two camps. Some that feel like always dissecting and looking at it can be a negative experience to the teams and their processes and another positive experience. What are some of the tips that you have done to try to build 
change to be a productive element to your business and a, a value differentiator for your team? Hitting pause. Yeah. Like I can't constantly dissect. I mean, it, and it kind of gets, becomes routine. It's just hitting pause, taking a breather and reviewing the macro. What is the end goal here? How to achieve that and listen and can constantly listen to colleagues around me. I understand that they really wanted to get something done and mitigating expectations, constant communication and taking that breath of, okay, but as put my scalpel down and review again what my map <laughs> shows for me to do. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that the breath or the pause is such an underused element for refocusing teams. I think for me, I always go to focus on the why and not the how. So if somehow is becoming very painful to the organization, you can make that pivot to the why because then potentially you can re-engage and reinvigorate the team. I think... A pause is another great way to do it. How does someone... Because when you want to be this dissector, you have to have... You're talking about all these things and how you can take pauses and it's very deliberate, but you have to naturally have some desire or belief that things could be better constantly. You have to have an optimistic attitude that what we where we are today is not necessarily where we could be tomorrow. And that can lead to... <laughs> I've been told by some people because I have that mindset sometimes that it can become exhausting or it can become a lot for people. Have you learned about people's propensity to change and to accept it or to be part of it? And how can leaders, and I'm thinking more about on a leadership level within organizations, how can leaders reframe that change as a positive thing to their organizations? Change is a very sensitive word for some people. <laughs> it triggers a lot of things, especially anyone who has gone through all of these economic wave up and down yes. on a macro scale, right? So using the right words, like maybe eliminating change and say, and have more positive assets. I just got off the phone with some SEO experts and the key words, the words are so important that you use. So if there's some sort of like negative connotation to a word, then don't, don't use it. Like let's apply something a little bit more positive for our leadership. It's like they have to truly believe that when we're, steering the boat to a different waters, there's a key purpose and a purpose that is well communicated with positivity. And of course, with the employees in mind, with their lives in mind, I engage with many teams. And when I speak to them, I try to put myself in their shoes and say, okay, I am talking to a team in California. They just had kind of a difficult summer fire thing. Let's talk about the soft like qualities of their lives, what they're going through. And by the way, every day they have to clock into work. How does that feel? It's a holistic kind of conversation that has to happen. And from a leadership perspective, I mean, one of the cool things about NFP is they really put employees for in the front and consider any kind of change or strategy with employees in mind. And it's a nice environment for... And that's led to some of the reasons why NFP has been looked at as innovative as they have been, right? Is your ability to turn over every stone, but also maintain a strong work environment and culture within your organization. I think that's one of the things that many people are envious of about NFP from the outside. I think that's a really fascinating answer to... Words have meaning, right? You're narrowing it down to words have meaning, but also self-awareness being a particularly important skill. And self-awareness in a leadership perspective, 
that's not how all leaders got to the position that they're in. Some leaders got there through being really good individual contributors or other means. We know how people get to leadership roles. How would you recommend someone starts to work on self-awareness in the workplace? How can you take stock so that you're thinking about how you might be coming off? Because I know one of the hardest parts for leaders is that moment between what is true and what you need to say, and then how you could say it to get the best results that you actually want to achieve. Yeah, sure. I think I'm constantly working on my own self-awareness all the time. Being honest with the things you can do and you can't do. So both sides of the coin and the things that you can't do, if you can train to better or find complementary partners with the skill set to work as a team. I found I'm most successful when I find that partner and together we end up executing on whatever goal objective I had, whether it was winning a client or whether it was completing a certain process or you know some sort of database I was building. That, I think from a leadership perspective, I admire the most is like the honesty of someone in like executive and is completely forward about their learning lessons as well. So I find that very key from a leadership perspective. As we're on the topic of sort of leadership and culture and grooming and individuals in order to achieve the goals that they want, what's a piece of advice that you have that stuck with you or that you give to people coming onto the team that you feel like really helps maybe with the self-awareness or any of the elements that you spoke about today? Because it seems like you really go into things with a method that you try to apply to the work you're doing. What advice would you give to people to be successful? Always ask questions because if you ask a question, you're already halfway there with an answer. And not just ask questions all around, but ask yourself questions. Is this what you want to do? Is this where you want to go? Why are you in that direction? And then that, by asking questions, is actually an opportunity to innovate. Why are you doing this? What if we did something else? The whole question of what if then opens doors to Pandora's box, but not bad things, but great things of innovating and then breaking things and putting it back together again, finding patterns. (laughs) Again, I love that because curiosity is a default answer people give. But what you just gave, and I think this talks to your operational background, is what does actually curiosity look like in a framework? How can you look at it and then the what if portion of it to drive the actual curiosity that a lot of people are having, but they don't even know how they got there, right? And then how can you create this environment where you can become curious almost about anything, right? And I think that framework that you just gave is wonderful advice. So thank you very much. I really appreciate you joining me. Anything else that you want to say? I think we live innovation every day. We just don't know it sometimes. Just keep asking what if. Risk Management Brick by Brick is brought to you by TrustLayer. Find out how TrustLayer manages risk so that the people can build the physical world around us. Head over to TrustLayer.io. And then make sure to subscribe to Risk Management Brick by Brick on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. On behalf of the TrustLayer team, thank you for listening.